Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Writer Junkie. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Writer Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Writer Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at writerjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast brought to you by UCAS Studios. I'm your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. I'm not by myself today. My boy, Hani Amadian, is joining me. We are here to talk about uh, basketball games. Hani, we get to actually talk about stuff happening on the court. Like, it's pretty amazing. It has been a long four and a half-ish months. Um Definitely excited to talk about basketball. Also definitely excited that we're doing a podcast when the sun is up. Yeah. <laughs> sun is up. I still want to go to bed because I, we, I think because the combination of the the buzz that I had off of the win yesterday over the Clippers and the fact that there were 900 fouls called that made the game last approximately six hours. So uh yeah it was uh it was a crazy crazy night to restart the nba and it was fun though it was fun they had two games that both came down to the wire uh brandon ingram damn near hit a three uh to win the game at the buzzer uh just before the lakers tipped off and then paul george almost hit well didn't almost he threw up a brick but he had a chance at three <laughs> to, to beat the Lakers, but the Lakers held on thanks to some excellent defense from LeBron, and we're going to talk about that uh, here in a little bit. But before we get started, as always, guys, if you like the podcast, be sure to uh, like this video on YouTube and subscribe to Lakers Outsiders and UCAS Studios on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can follow us on Instagram uh, at Lakers Outsiders. You can like us on Facebook and get all of our content on LakersOutsiders.com. You can follow Hani on Twitter as well, just at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. And then you can follow me just at Gary Kester. That's G-A-R-Y-K-E-S-T-E-R. Man, that's a lot of plugs. <laughs> but I uh, lost stop. Yeah. I somehow didn't, I didn't stumble my way through that. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about some actual basketball here. The Lakers really strange kind of bizarre game very back and forth uh both teams hold double digit leads and both teams give them up so 
But the Lakers hold on and, and beat the Clippers by two, uh, thanks to some some clutch buckets uh, down the stretch and a clutch stop there at the end. Uh, Hani, what was the the first thing that jumped out to you about this this Lakers win over the Clippers last night? Well, I think the first uh, and most important thing is that even with this long break and everybody looking rusty and, you know, somebody like LeBron in particular looking uh, pretty rusty out there, I think the Lakers have really shown this season that they have different ways of winning basketball games. Um, and last night, I think defensively, they looked like they hadn't lost a step. They, they looked exactly how they did before. Um, and it's really cool now that there's, well, less crowd noise than than you would generally get. Um, you can really hear them communicate. And at least so far in the games that I've seen, I, I don't think I've seen a team that's as loud as they are on defense, just making sure that they're getting the right calls, um, uh, getting the right assignments. And, you know, everybody to a T, I think, was pretty good defensively. Um, the two most impressive ones were probably Kyle Kuzma and LeBron James. I think most people would agree on that. LeBron had some incredible defensive plays on on Kawhi, and especially on the last possession of the game where he defended Kawhi, forced him to pass it to Paul George, and then defended Paul George and forced him to throw up that brick. Um, that was incredible. And, and Kuzma, I think, to me, that might have been my favorite game I've ever watched him play because it wasn't just him like launching and hitting everything. It was him playing really smart for at least three of the four quarters. I think the first quarter he, he had a couple of mistakes, but after that, he, his head was completely in the game. And I don't think I've watched him play a more smart basketball game on both ends of the floor. So those were kind of the things that I really took away from this. Um, obviously there's not a lot you can take away because of, uh, the long break, a lot of players not playing, like Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell for the Clippers. But those little things, I think, can really mean a lot. Yeah, you you brought up Kyle Kuzma, and you know we've seen him kind of go ballistic before offensively, and it's it's fun. I mean, he had that game at OKC this year where he just went absolutely nuts and and just <clears throat> scored at will. But game, like you said, it, it was like we just saw a totally different player, like just a ton of maturity. And I don't want to overreact to one game, but, man, he was so technically sound defensively. The footwork was so much better. The discipline was really, really good. Um, I think I think him and AD uh, got caught once or twice uh, leaving their feet on a pump fake um, yeah. that, that resulted in fouls. But, I mean, stuff like that's going to happen. But ultimately, he had a lot of really, really good defensive possessions. And I'm uh, going to look into – kind of breaking down some film on that and hopefully having that up uh, on Saturday before the Raptors game. So uh, if you're listening to this, keep an eye out for that on YouTube. But uh, yeah, he was like, like you said, it was just such a smart game by him. It was just really efficient on both ends of the floor. Um, I mean, he ends up with 16 points on four of eight shooting. Uh, All four made buckets were were, worth three pointers. He was four of seven from the three point line. He was one of five Lakers that was a positive plus or minus. Like crazy thing to me is that Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Danny Green were all minus. Um, so Danny Green was minus 17. I didn't yeah. feel like Danny Green played that badly. He just didn't have yeah. a lot of looks offensively. Um, LeBron minus four. That was maybe offensively one of the worst games that you'll probably ever see LeBron play. Like definitely. And he looked out of sorts. He looked rusty and. Like given the time off, like th- that was going to happen. There's going to be guys that 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 it happens to. And honestly, I thought it happened to the Lakers almost as a whole. Like even though AD scored, a, I think he had 34 points in the game. Uh, 
there were times, you know, he, he looked a little, little clunky as well. Um, and he finished eight of 19 from the field. So, uh, yeah. he was able to capitalize at the free throw line, but yeah, the fact that they were able to, to dig deep and, and find a way to win this game. And yeah, I mean, the Clippers are without a couple key guys, but there, there's certain like little details, I think, that you away from this game. Obviously, the grand scheme of things, the game probably doesn't mean that much because right. the next time these two teams meet, assuming they meet in the playoffs, probably be in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's a minimum of 15 games from now. They each have seven seeding games left, and then if they sweep their two opponents in the playoffs, that'd be 15 total games. Like, these two teams are going to change a lot between now and then. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not taking taking into account, like, oh, they only beat the, the Clippers by two without – you know, the, those two players, like both teams are going to be so different the next time they play. It's really not a big deal. It's more so the fact that this team find finds ways and creates ways to win games because good teams find ways to win games and bad teams find ways to lose them. And we've seen it for the last six years. Like the Lakers were very good at finding ways to lose games. Um, so the fact that, you know, their, their stars weren't overly efficient. I mean, Anthony Davis, the, the Clippers don't have an honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know that anybody in the league does. He's just, he's just that good. But the fact that they, they just, they figured it out. They figured it out in the fourth quarter. They, I mean, had a double digit lead and then fell all the way down by 11 and then just battled back. And, and then I think they went up by 11 at one point in the fourth quarter. So just an odd game. And we knew it was going to be weird with, the, with the, the layoff, the, all the time off and everything. And, just given the circumstances, I mean, it's probably weird for these guys to play in an arena with no fans or no real fans. There's interactive fans. Um, but Chris Bosh was there. <laughs> yeah, Chris Bosh, the Laker chain guy. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we still had some some firepower there <laughs> in the purple and gold. But, uh, yeah, no, it was. I was just encouraged by the defense, um, not only by by Kyle Kuzma and LeBron, but just by the team as a whole. So um, given what we saw, I mean, what do you think was kind of the, like what helped turn this thing around? Because the Lakers, like I said, had a double digit lead. And then all of a sudden the offense just went all to hell. Like they started the second half, the first five minutes of the third quarter, they didn't score a single bucket, Mm -hmm. Um, go down 66 to 55. And then all of a sudden it was like, there was a switch that flipped. Uh, from what you saw, what kind of what do you think kind of flipped that game for them? I think the most significant, really tactical change from Vogel was to play AD at the five for pretty much the entire second half, other than the few minutes that he sat. Um, and I think that's something that they probably have to do against the Clippers. Um, it's just they're they're one of those teams. Kind of like the Rockets. I think the Rockets uh, in, in a series against the Rockets, the Lakers would also have to do that. They're a team that is very ISO heavy. They rely on Kawhi and Paul George and even Lou Williams to go just get a bucket. And that means that they're hunting mismatches. And as good as JaVale and Dwight Howard are, it's just when you're asking them to defend in space on one one side and then on the other side, they're clogging the paint and AD doesn't get to roam free as much and you don't get as much spacing then, you know, your offense gets bogged down and your defense potentially isn't isn't really operating at, at a high enough level um, to defend those guys. So I think that was the main change that I saw. And I think AD played uh, nearly half of the center minutes last night. 
uh, as opposed to usually playing like 10-ish minutes at, at the five um, and playing most of his minutes next to JaVale or Dwight. Um, so I think that's that's a really important change. And I'm really interested to see if that's something they do consistently in the playoffs or if it's just in certain series. Um, because in the first round, I think you can get away with playing JaVale and Dwight a lot more minutes and maybe keeping AD more fresh. But um, those rotations definitely have to get shortened. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see how Vogel handles that. Yeah, the, the thing I was going to say basically builds off of your point. I think, I mean, the thing that flipped that game around I mean, namely was was Anthony Davis. I mean, he hit a couple of threes, um, I think back-to-back threes that really kind of seemed to rejuvenate the team and get them going, kind of shake some of the cobwebs off the, uh, the offense. Um, but it was the three-point shooting. Um, mm-hmm. And the last pod that I, I recorded by myself, um, I, I truly believe with the, these two teams that three-point shooting is going to be the X factor for, for both. Because when the Lakers defend well and they keep the Clippers off the three-point line, they seem to, to that's when they seem to build these double-digit leads. I think the Lakers have had a double-digit lead in each of their meetings uh, with the Clippers. They, I mean, the yeah. Christmas Day game, they pretty much led, you know, pretty much dominated that game all the way throughout and then just kind of choked in the end. Uh, season opener I mean letter and kind of struggled after that uh and yeah like it, it to me it comes down to three-point shooting and and the Lakers finally started to hit threes it was really frustrating like I understood it uh because it's their first game back in forever and guys were just missing a lot of open threes I mean Caruso missed a couple of threes uh Danny Green missed some open looks uh a number of guys that KCP looked kind of out of sorts uh, and he looked yeah. like he was a little shaken up at one point uh, last night, kind of holding, he was kind of flexing his shoulder a little bit, but uh, seem, he seems to be okay. But they just started to hit threes, and I think I, I kind of talked about this a little bit with with Pete Zayas uh, after the game. That's kind of a direct result of having AD play the five, where the, these guys have more room to operate, and it, and it frees up LeBron especially because mm-hmm. the Clippers just built a, they just built a wall. Every time LeBron had the ball, I mean, they had guys in the paint. I was kind of getting upset because I thought that they were having guys play legal defense a little bit. Yeah. And they got called early, and I was kind of getting frustrated. A lot of a lot of times, like Zubats is standing underneath the basket, not not guarding anybody, and he's just standing there in the paint, um, and it's not getting called. But he did that uh, a lot for us too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Scott Foster is gonna is gonna Scott Foster though, but. Uh, no, I mean, the, the fact that AD played the five, and there's going to be matchups where they can go with the traditional two-big lineup, like you talked about, like the first round, they can probably do that. Um, and there's going to be just certain matchups that they can get away with that. Uh, the, but the Clippers are a matchup that they're so wing-heavy. They want to, you know, they switched a lot of different things last night. It seemed like they switched a lot, uh, probably more than in that they did earlier in the year. And I don't know, maybe that's just to keep guys fresh or whatever. Maybe that's just how they want to defend in the playoffs. Who knows? But the fact that AD played the five, that kind of flipped everything. It gave the Lakers so much more room on offense that didn't allow the Clippers to, to really attack the paint. And and maybe I can maybe I can highlight that in, in a film breakdown or something. But, uh, yeah, it just freed up so much more room. And LeBron looked so much more comfortable. There was a couple times he got to the basket. Um, and... Even his dribble penetration just opened things up for shooters and guys just – it seemed like once they got one to go, it seemed like they, they all started to kind of knock some more down. So uh, the three-point shooting, man, it, it seems like it comes in waves with the Clippers. I mean, Paul George, 
I think Paul George learned early in earlier in the game that when he gets AD on him, he was kind of you could just tell by his body language like, all right, I got a big on me, time to get time to go yeah. at him. He learns very quickly that you ju- you don't just drive at Anthony Davis. Like he's yeah. not he's not a you know a stiff board just because he's a big guy. Like I mean, he moves like a guard and he's just freakishly long and athletic. So, uh, but he was he was pulling up for three and he was he was hitting a lot of threes on the Lakers and really doing a lot of damage. And you know that's that's kind of the thing. Michael Green threes. For whatever reason, I swear, every time I watch a Michael Green play against other teams, he never makes anything. And then against the Lakers, he turns into a sharpshooter. But maybe he's the new age Ricky Rubio. <laughs> the, the other thing I think uh, that really led to the Lakers coming back after they gave up that deficit was um, their bench lineup, honestly, which is something that has been an issue, especially when LeBron sits. But uh, like looking at the Clippers plus minus is – Kawhi was a plus 16, and as soon as he sat in the second half, the Lakers went on a run. And to me, a really huge factor of that, incredibly, is uh, Deion Waiters. I think he's, you know, we've only seen him in a couple of scrimmage games and and now one real competitive game, but he has been so good. I I cannot believe it. He's, uh, first of all, I had no idea he had this much, like, playmaking chops. I, I was like okay, sure, you give him the ball, he'll go get a bucket every once in a while, and maybe there's value in that. But he has been really good at spreading the ball. Um, and Vogel talked about this, about how he's driving, getting into the paint, and then kicking the ball out, and that's what they want him to do. And I think his shot chart, I saw it, he only took uh, shots either behind the arc or at the rim. So he's really uh, picking and choosing his spots of where he's taking shots and being as efficient as possible. He finished with uh, 11 points and two assists and was a plus 17. He led the Lakers in plus minus. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, him and uh, on top of that, Caruso and Kuzma as well off the bench, that lineup uh, against all odds, really without LeBron coming back against uh, against the Clippers bench lineup was, you know, maybe – it might not happen every game because I don't think you can necessarily rely on Deion Waiters to run your offense every single game. Um, although he's already proven me wrong. So by all means, go ahead and keep doing that. But um, <laughs> it is something to kind of take note of and, and just uh, keep it in your pocket of, wow, maybe the, maybe the Lakers found a way to fix their issue of not being able to score when LeBron isn't on the floor. Yeah, and that's that was one. I mean, big thing for me too. One big takeaway was um, there were, I mean, a couple of times where LeBron went out and the Lakers were just fine. And it felt like earlier in the year, whenever he went out, it's like, okay, we just got to limit the damage here until he he gets rested and he can get back in. And uh, yeah, I mean, his his first break, the Lakers went on a little run. Like Kuzma came in um, and they kept AD out there. They played well and push the lead out. And I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. And, um, you know, before, I mean, obviously the glaring thing, and I don't want to put it all on one person, but the glaring thing in the past earlier this year was Rondo comes in and we just, we saw leads dwindle time and time and time again. And with Mm -hmm. waiters, like you said, leads the lead, leads the team in plus minus, uh, was was a very big positive out there. It creates offense for himself and for others uh, because of those playmaking chops that you mentioned. That spin that spin move was just dirty. And Chavale's reaction was was priceless. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a night and day difference. And, I mean, as much as I wish the, this team still had Avery Bradley, because I think Avery Bradley's been very a very good signing for them this year and a good presence for them for the most part. Um, man, just, just replacing Rondo with Waiters has, has – it's you just see it i mean it's just so evident um when waiters comes in and you know waiters isn't a small guard either like mm-hmm. he's you know he's pretty pretty strong at his position as well so i think that kind of helps defensively and he just gives the Lakers kind of a different and they hadn't had earlier in the year and i think that's so important because lebron had to do basically all the playmaking and just even having one guy like Deion Waiters come in and, and be able to generate offense for himself and for others, just such a positive thing, such a positive thing. And I was kind of curious to see what the closing lineup was going to be last night. And I was like looking at it. I was like, this is a really good five. Like defensively, it was a really good five. And I was kind of thinking, too, I was like, man, you could throw Waiters in here, too, to just throw another playmaker on the court you know, in crunch time and, and just a guy that can go get you a bucket or he can go create a shot for somebody else. So the Lakers definitely have some options, especially with waiters in the fold. And it's just, it's funny because so many people laughed at the Lakers for signing him and like people forget, I mean, he's a good player. Like it's all about, can he buy in? And I mean, so far, I mean, the, the culture that this team has built and the chemistry that they have, You've seen it with a with a number of these guys, you know that that people said would be the meme team, right? And like even I mean even a guy like Jared Smith, I mean when he goes on Instagram Live, apparently gets into trouble. But uh, like everything's been level headed, and you know and we saw it with Dwight Howard too. Like everybody clowned the Lakers for for signing Dwight Howard, and yeah. I mean he's he's had some kind of worrisome stuff here lately with some comments off the court and stuff like that. But I mean that's really been it. And, yeah. you know, he, he's been just a great teammate, I think, for these guys and just a guy that's bought into his role. And that's a credit, I think, to Frank Vogel and, and to the leaders of this team with, with LeBron and AD and being able to sell that, hey, you know, if everybody just kind of does their part, that we can win a championship. And, you know, I think guys have really bought into that. And that's just so important. Yeah. I mean, the story of the season really has been guys overperforming our expectations. Both the t- like the team as as a whole and individuals, nobody expected Avery Bradley to be that good, or uh, I don't know KCP to be as good as he's been, um, and now Dion and uh, even Jr. has had his moments, although he doesn't seem like he's going to be playing a whole lot, uh, at least relative to Dion. Mm-hmm. And with Dion, I think it's just it just goes to show you how much being aggressive in in shooting the ball. Uh, really changes how defenses play you because I don't think he's he's necessarily a better player than Rondo, um, and they kind of have the same issues of like they pound the ball, they're they're a little bit of a black hole at times. But just because Dion is willing to shoot the ball from three or go to the rim and shoot a layup, even if he's he's not even an amazing shooter or an amazing finisher at the rim, but he's good enough and he's aggressive enough that defenses have to play him for it. They're not playing him for the pass like Rondo. So then that opens up these opportunities that he's had for kickouts where he's getting these assists or, uh, you know, potential assists when, when guys miss. But um, just the fact that he's willing to do that is something that the Lakers were really missing between, you know, Rondo and even Caruso not really being uh, as aggressive as he should be. Um, so I think that's a really, like, dynamic extra thing that he's adding. Yeah, the fact that, 
like you said, the defenses can't social distance when they're guarding <laughs> the guy at that spot. Because, uh, I mean, you just – you've seen – you see it – well, we've seen it time and time again this year where Rondo's guy is just – is standing, like, right outside the paint, even though Rondo's five feet behind the three-point line. Like, he's just yeah. not a threat out there. And it just kind of really messes up their the spacing, and it allows – defenses to clog the paint with waiters you can't do that because he's gonna let them fly if you leave him open and i mean he's a threat to make them you know he's not uh, a sharpshooter or by any means you know he's not a guy that's gonna go shoot 42 percent from the three-point line yeah but he's respectable enough to where you got to go guard him and that's huge that's huge and you know that's that's kind of another i guess another reason why i could see him in some closing lineups too um, because of everything that he that he brings and the fact that, you know, defense has still got to respect him. So I was going to say, I'm also really, really glad that we got our first Dion hands up asking for the ball and not getting a <laughs> moment of, of the season of him as a Laker. I was one really the, waiting for that. One of the rare mistakes of Kyle Kuzma last night was <laughs> kind of putting the blinders on and not seeing Dion standing Dion there calling for the ball. <laughs> I thought we were going to get the Andrew Bynum moment with Sasha Vuj. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember what year. I thought it was like 08 or 09, but in the, that preseason game. Can't can't repeat it here because it's not uh, it's not family appropriate, but uh, some of you might know what I'm talking about. But no, I mean, I'm just I was just really encouraged. Obviously, like I said, there's just there's so many things that kind of. You know, there, there's so many things to look at this game that really indicate that you can't take a ton from it. Um, like I said, because of the layoff, the fact that these teams will be very different by the next time they, they play each other. I don't think either team played particularly well either, which is to be expected in their first game, first real game back. Uh, the Clippers shot 43%. Uh, they ended up shooting well from the three point line. Uh, they started slow and then got red hot, uh, which kind of helped them build their lead. Um, and then come back from their lead um, or from the deficit in the fourth quarter. They shot 44% from the three-point line. Uh, the Lakers shot 39% overall from the field, 30% from the three-point line. And, yeah, I mean, there was a ton of turnovers, ton of fouls. I mean, 36 turnovers combined between the two of them. The game, that's what I'm hoping, too, is like in the – because they'll meet in the playoffs – most likely. And if they do, I'm hoping that they let them play a lot more uh, because I felt like the refs had it out for Dwight Howard last right. night. Like every, and there was just every, every little thing. Was, illegal. <laughs> yeah. Everything except for Joakim Noah, like that guy should have fouled out within like the first three minutes that he played. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, yeah, it was just, there was, there was so much about it that, you know, obviously like, Laker fans are going to be excited about the win. It's the first time we've seen the team play, it, you know, in an actual competitive game in, in four and a half months. Uh, you know, they, they even up the season series, and it all but locks up the ones. I mean, now all they got to do, I think their magic number's down to one. All they got to do is win one more game or have the Clippers lose a game, and they clinch the one seed. I wish it meant having home court, which I guess you kind of do if you get the virtual fans. Can we get the virtual fans like behind the baskets, like some thunder sticks or something? I, I legitimately said this last night to the people I was watching with. I was like, yes, we should absolutely give them those. And we need to have Jack sitting courtside. 
like, like don't put him on the screens, uh, uh, like on the side of the arena. Just give put an iPad on one of the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really weird. Like, and I'll give credit to like the NBA and and TNT and um, even ESPN. Like the broadcast angles, like the game doesn't look totally different. In all honesty, like from like the broadcast angle. And it's kind of cool to see these guys like have room on like the sideline. Uh, like there was a play uh, in the first game where Donovan Mitchell like ended up like ten feet behind the 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 stanchion, and it was yeah. like it's nice that like those guys actually have room to like actually yeah. go you know run back there. So um, that's pretty cool. But it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird. But I mean, it's it's what has to be done at this point you know we're seeing it with baseball right now and there's a lot of doubt that they can even finish their season and so far the nba is doing really really well so hopefully hopefully they keep it up so we can keep these games going and and keep it going so um all right before we get out of here let's talk real quickly about the next game the lakers play the toronto raptors the defending champion toronto uh raptors who won the last nba title of approximately four years ago and uh, this has been a tough matchup for the Lakers uh, for in years past. Obviously, they've only played them once since they've gotten Anthony Davis. But it feels like it's been forever since they beat the Raptors. Uh, what are you kind of looking looking for in, in this matchup and, and what the Lakers kind of need to do well in order to, to finally beat these guys? Uh, this is a game where I really want to see how different lineups for the Lakers uh, fare offensively. The, the Raptors are a really solid defensive team, and they are very, very deep. Um, like, pretty much everybody who plays for them, everybody in their rotation, nobody's really a liability on defense. Um, and a lot of them are very, very good at it. So um, seeing how the Lakers are able to run their offense uh, against Nick Nurse, who's very um, creative also with how he, uh, how he defends, um, and they got pesky guys like Kyle Lowry on the perimeter and uh, really good big men uh, down low and Siakam, Ibaka, and Mark Gasol, uh, who will all give the Lakers uh, issues. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, like you said, the last time they played was 19 years ago, but uh, hopefully the Lakers kind of remember that the, the Raptors with injuries really took it to them in L.A. Um, mm. And uh, they come out strong and, and try to put on a show and try to really get the offense going um, with every lineup that they play, because that's going to be very, very important in the playoffs. Yeah, the Raptors, uh, I will give them credit, man. They're extremely well coached. I think they're an extremely well-run organization. Um, they've got a really good team. They, I think they've earned a lot of respect this year, even though I think they've flown under the radar a lot. I think once they lost Kawhi, everybody thought, oh, well, you know, nice nice little story. They got their first title, and now they're going to go away. This team is 46-18 and 18 this year. Like, yeah. they're legitimately really good. I know they play in the East, but, like, They've beaten a number of very good teams, and they're tough, man. They're really tough, and uh, like you said, I mean, they're they're deep team. They they can use a number of different lineup combinations, and I mean, we saw first when they beat the Lakers earlier. So, um, this is a good team, and hopefully, you know, hopefully they are rusty because it's going to be their first game, uh, and the Lakers kind of were able to shake off some of the rust a little bit against the Clippers, and they looked a lot better in the fourth quarter. So hopefully they can carry that over. Um, but yeah, I mean, the execution's got to be better. The, the Lakers can't go through a five-minute stretch where they don't register a single bucket. Um, 
I noticed just with the offense in the third quarter, the Clippers, there was like no movement early in that third quarter. And it was just very stagnant. It was kind of one-on-one, not just not much going on. They really started to get a rhythm. They, I think uh, they came out of a timeout and ran a couple different sets and just got guys moving, got the flow a little bit. And all of a sudden it started to click again. So like, that's got to be more consistent. Um, Ultimately, I mean, even against the Clippers, I thought the Lakers generated a number of open shots. They just got to do a better job of knocking them down. And um, just keep playing defense. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the fact that their defense is picked up right where it left off is is really encouraging. And, I mean, hopefully by the time, you know, the playoffs roll around here in, what, two weeks, uh, it's, it's even better. So hopefully, you know, they can just continue to – kind of work themselves into a lather a little bit offensively and, and just find their, their, their rhythm, find their groove and, and just keep getting better and get as close to mid season form um, as they possibly can, given the, the small amount of, of time that everybody's working with. So. I, uh, I also want to just thank the NBA for giving the Lakers a Western conference finals preview followed by a finals preview. Honey's <laughs> <laughs> hot takes. Brought to you by Popeye's Chicken Sandwich. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> you have to fit it in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No. Uh, recording. Uh, we're going to try and record after every one of these games. The only reason we didn't record yesterday is because that game, like I said, was approximately six hours long. Shout out to Scott Foster. Yeah, if you have on a Thursday night. send them to Scott Foster. <laughs> <laughs> send them to uh, Disney World in Orlando. I don't know which uh, which hotel the referees are staying at, but but yeah, hopefully uh, the game goes a lot smoother. Kind of the nice thing um, for like for me, I mean, I live in Mountain Time, so it's only an hour ahead of of you got like you uh, over there in Pacific Time. Uh, I still like the fact that we're not getting any of these late start times. Like it's super nice. I was kind of looking at like the regular season schedule um, or the final remaining seeding games, and I think the latest start time is six o'clock Pacific Time. Um, it'll be weird to have them play like an afternoon game on like a weekday. I think they do have, uh, one of those, but Hey man, um, as, as someone who is big washed, I am also a fan of this. It's going to be great for my <laughs> sleep schedule for the next couple months, which is almost assuredly going to be a pain in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy, man. So, yeah, um, as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to like this uh, video on YouTube and you can subscribe to UCAST Studios and Lakers Outsiders on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lakers Outsiders and you can like us on Facebook. You can follow Hani on Twitter at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. And then you can follow me just at Gary Kester. Um, And stay tuned. We are working on another little project. I guess I can announce it. I mean, it's not like a huge deal. We just got to figure out. Existence. We got to figure out how to do it exactly. But um, for those of you that are on Twitch, uh, just keep an eye out. We are on Twitch, uh, just under Lakers Outsiders, and we're gonna be doing uh, some some streams um, and doing kind of some live pods after games and stuff like that. We're we're gonna be trying to do one of these after every game. I mean, there's only seven regular season games left, and then. Uh, we got the playoffs, so um, assuming none of these games go way too late into the night, and uh, when both of us have to be up 
bright and early the next morning. Uh, that's the plan. So we got we're going to be talking a lot of Lakers basketball, and hopefully we're talking all the way into early and mid October. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a while since we've done live pod, so I can't wait for people to see my quarantine hair and compare me to Paul Gasol and Colin Ka- Kaepernick again like they used to. <laughs> Hey, shout out to Pau Gasol recently. Yes. Uh, yeah, hell yeah, shout out to Pau Gasol. We're getting we're getting a baby Pau, future Laker, Pau yes. Gasol Jr. or future uh, Sparks. Yeah, Sparks. Yeah, so yeah. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, we will be on again uh, after, on Saturday night. After the Lakers hopefully beat the Raptors, uh, and if they don't, I'm not gonna freak out about it. I'm just glad we're talking about basketball again. It only matters. The game only matters if the Lakers win. If they lose, it means nothing. If they lose, they obviously didn't care about the game because they'd have nothing to play for. And yeah, we're just gearing up for the playoffs. That's it. So, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as always, you can also send us questions. Uh, you can comment on the, on our YouTube videos and you can tweet them at us at Lakers outsiders, or you can tweet them at me and honey and we will get around to them. We, uh, except for David Chia, who's probably still in mourning over the Rondo injury and, and waiters playing so well. Uh, I would say my sympathy is with you, but it's, it's not, I I've been waiting for this day all year, but <laughs> <laughs> I know he's going to listen to this too. So, Yeah, we're going to get out of here, but we will be back on again soon after the Lakers and Raptors game, so stay tuned for that. Thanks again, guys, for listening. But until next time, with Hani Amadian, I'm Gary Kester with the Lakers Outsiders, signing off. Shout out Pal Gasol.